0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a rare Saturday edition. Normally, I like to take Saturdays off and let you take Saturdays off as well. But we've got some important breaking news. We were lucky enough to interview one of the most important doctors in the recent Omicron outbreak of the coronavirus. It is the doctor who actually discovered the virus, the Omicron virus. Her name is Dr. Angelique Gautier. She is the head of the main medical group in South Africa. And last November, she was the first to discover the Omicron variant. And she has an extraordinary and most powerful tale to tell, starting with how she discovered the Omicron, what the early symptoms were and what they told her about this new variant, which, by the way, had like 50 different changes to the virus from the Delta one that we had been dealing with last summer and fall. She then goes on to describe a pressure campaign. I'm going to talk to her about that. You won't believe what they were pressuring her, what the medical establishment of the world, Europe, United States, others, what they were pressuring her to say about Omicron that wasn't true. She's going to walk us through that. And then she can talk us about what the future of coronavirus this pandemic is. What should we expect? She's very careful. She doesn't make predictions. She tries to give us an over-under of what lies ahead and what doctors and experts will be looking for, what the vaccine is good and not good for, what masks are good and not for. We're going to cover all of that. It's such an extraordinary opportunity. I wanted to break your Saturday up a little bit. It's a shorter than normal podcast, but listen, we have 18 extraordinary minutes with Dr. Angelique Coetzeau. The doctor who not only identified Omicron, but stared the world to the realization that Omicron was a more contagious and less lethal, less damaging coronavirus than what we the world had dealt with. That took some courage to not only find it, but also to communicate it to the world. When some of the world wanted a different message, you're going to hear her old story right after this commercial break. Thanks to our good friends at BrickHouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break. I am so fortunate to be joined right now by Dr. Angelique Cotier. She is the chairperson of the South African Medical Association and the medical expert that first detected the Omicron variant of coronavirus. Doctor, great to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show.
0: Well, we're most honored. I know you've been so busy in the midst of this pandemic, but I wonder if you could share with our audience to start just the, the moment when you realize that there was this new variant um, and, and what, it, you know, the first few days when you're, you're trying to get your hands around what it might mean for the pandemic.
1: Yeah, it was actually a shock um, because we were expecting um, the fourth wave, but only around about end of December. And this was a whole month too early. And, you know, the the, the first thing that came into my head, Oh, please not now, Um, and, 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 you know, we've been through Delta and your doctors would know how bad Delta is. Uh, Delta is a, is a very scary virus. Um, you don't want to go into such a thing again. So, yeah, I had this patients with total other symptoms. It's not the same symptoms that you have with your Delta variant. We don't know anything. The scientist has not um, yet picked up on this, and no one knew, knew at that stage. So the first seven patients that I saw on the same day, we started to treat them exactly the same as with uh, Delta, uh, as we didn't know, and it took me around about four or five days to start to realize that the symptoms are much milder. Yes, it's a very fast um, spreading viral infection or variant, but symptoms, if we say mild symptoms, we, we classify it according to the World Health Organization, meaning that you can treat Omicron patients actually safely at home. There's no need for oxygen. And they don't seem to have the cardiovascular um, uh, uh, side effects, you know, with, with uh, uh, tachycardia, um, tiredness uh, related to either um, your your lung involvement or heart um, irritation. So we predominantly saw the patients coming in with what we called a myalgia, muscle aches and pains, headaches, low back ache, or intercostal pain. And then they might have a scratchy throat, they might have a cough and tiredness, um, you know, and and, and they will tell you that when they went to bed the the previous night, they were fine. But during the night, they start to get hot and cold type of feelings. And then they woke up with this type of of, um, uh, symptoms, which is totally different from from Delta. So at that stage, again, um, you know, we alerted the authorities and it took another About five days since we saw the first patient, where um, when before the um, labs or and our scientists in the background can you know came up with the new variant, and at that stage they were extremely worried because Omicron's got a lot of mutations, it's something that they had not seen before, and that was very scary to them. But by the time they came out with the Uh, the the scientific um, picture or or, uh, uh, how one can say we already had seen patients for a week.
0: That's amazing. Very quickly, America, my country here and some of the other Western countries, they reacted very harshly, very quickly, a travel ban. At the moment that happened, uh, did you feel a travel ban was really necessary or were you pretty confident this was going to be a milder version of the virus?
1: Yeah, the travel ban is not going to help you. The virus is everywhere, it loves to travel. And, you know, um, if you do your test, your PCR uh, too early or you do your rapid test too early, you won't be able to, to detect the viral infection. So you will get them onto the plane, nicely infected, spreading the virus and you will think they are negative.
0: Wow, yep, that really had no, no effect. Was it frustrating to see the travel ban knowing what you knew scientifically that this virus there would be no effect for the travel ban, except maybe economic harm to to to, to Africa.
1: It was very frustrating because at that stage, when um, Britain, right, Britain um, uh, started to uh, implement the travel ban, we were then at least seven days into the Omicron, and uh, um, we then also noticed uh, that the patients uh, recovered within about three to five days. And, you know, it was totally, like I've said, at some stage to Britain, it's like a storm in a teacup. You know, you you try to block Africa or South Africa from entering your country, but it's not going to help you. It's already there. You you just didn't know it.
0: Yeah, such an amazing moment. I know how frustrating so many of the leaders in Africa were at the time. Uh, We're now four months into the Omicron. It seems like it's run the world really quickly but without the severity, just like you predicted, it wouldn't be that severe. What does it mean for the long-term outlook of the pandemic? Have we moved or are we moving from pandemic to endemic status? Is this the great immunizer or the great uh, 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 moment where the pandemic flips?
1: No, unfortunately not yet. It's too early to say. We have seen on our stats that um, we have the past two years, and, and it's easier in our country, it's a smaller country than Europe, or America, that uh, you get your your wave, then you have about three months, um, I call it grace period in between, then the next variant starts again. So we're waiting now, um, if you look at the pattern of the past two years, we should get our fifth wave round about end of May, beginning of June. Only if that doesn't happen, and we don't see within the next six months uh, a fifth wave, we can start to say, maybe we know we're um, going into endemics, or endemic stage but you cannot at this stage say um you know we're over the worst uh, we because this they are very um you know you don't know what this virus is going to do we don't know how it's going to mutate remember this virus also need to survive right so um it will need to either out mutate um, omnicron or be on par with Omicron. but uh, they also have their own battles to fight and we will be the recipients of that, but it's too early to say at this stage. That's how our scientists also feel, and I agree
0: with them. Yeah, that's such an important and We're all looking for that moment where we can exhale, but we're not quite we're not quite there yet. Um, the evolution, the the, the significant change that Omicron posed from Delta and earlier variants, what does it say? Is is it the normal evolution of a virus like this to start very lethal and over time become less lethal? more contagious, does it seem to be fitting that pattern? Or is this just an oddball version of the virus that uh, defies the normal evolution of viruses? This
1: is a difficult question because uh, the virus needs a warm body to survive. So it doesn't care where you are, which country you are, which color, whatever you are, it doesn't care. It just needs the body. But if your immune system are being able to detect the viral infection, and it starts to eliminate the virus, then the virus needs to change, otherwise it's not going to survive. Now the question is, will it become milder, even more milder, but more fast spreading than Omicron? Will it become just um, as fast spreading as Omicron, but more virulent? Or will it become less fast spreading but more virulent? And or will will there be some of the viruses, the variants that might? Um, I, I'm not sure whether it might happen. That might mutate together. We don't know. This is not the the pattern that we are used to of the viral infections. Not that this, this this fast rate. Let you know me put it like this.
0: Yeah. Does that tell you anything about? I mean, have you come up with any theory or thought about where this virus originated and why it has changed and acted a little bit differently? particularly speed-wise, than prior viruses that the world has dealt with.
1: Yeah, you will never know where it's really originated from. You will never know. You will never know where it was tampered with. You will never know. We just sit with what we have. Yeah. And we'll have to learn to live with it. I don't think it's really, really going to go away.
0: Such an important point. I think a lot of the science is now moving in that direction, what you're saying. And I think that we all have to adjust our, our viewpoint I saw a recent interview you did where you talked about a moment in the Omicron outbreak where uh, health officials were trying to pressure you to say this was worse than it was. They wanted to make it look worse. for, And I, I'm going to hear it directly from you. What was going on there? Why do you think they were doing it? And then how did you react?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that really happened. And, uh was under a lot of pressure, especially that three the first three weeks. And I kept on checking with all the doctors in South Africa um, that is part of our organization, especially the GPs. Every day we spoke and I said, listen, this is what I said. Do you see a different pattern? Spoke with the specialist in the hospital. Do you see more admissions? Because we don't see it at our level. Maybe we are missing something. They kept on telling me they don't see it. Um, there's no overflow of patients. Um, and then because of the mutations, the, the, the amount of or number of mutations, I think that scared the uh, scientists, you know, especially in the beginning. Because all they saw was the mutations right. and the, the immune uh, escape possibility. So when we started to say it's a mild disease, we were told you cannot say it's a mild disease. It's a severe disease. Look at the mutations. And it's too early. You, you, you. How can you say that? You should not say it. You should not say it out there. And we, I, I just stick to my guns. You know, um, and I, I cannot say it's a severe disease for the majority of people. I'm not saying that it's not a, a severe disease for people with comorbidities, not being vaccinated, above a certain age, get Omicron. They can still be get severe disease. They can still die from it. But for the majority of people, it's a mild disease, and I refuse to change the story I just stick to my guns and take a, a PPI every morning because uh, you know <laughs> I said to my secretary just give me another Naxium." <laughs> that's how I survive
0: well it's, it's 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 history has shown that you were right and you made the right call who were some of these people and what uh, you know what, were these American officials were the European officials who were the people applying this pressure and why do you think they were doing it?
1: Think they were scared, and it is officials, but I, I, I also said I'm not going to put my head into that honest nest. Yeah, they know, they know what they said, they know who, who phoned and called me, what's up me, they know. And um, you know, we unfortunately we all have to work together, and uh, um, but next time we will make sure when we communicate again that we are clear, again, clear on what we are seeing. And there's no ways. I, if, you know, if it is a severe disease for the majority of people, I would say that it is. And I would have, uh, you know, asked uh, forgiveness for, for um, being wrong. But I cannot make a disease worse and create fear out there when it's not necessary. I cannot do that.
0: Um, uh, uh, the world's patience, thank you for the the honesty and integrity that you showed there, because that was such an important moment. And we've been through so much panic, and yet you were just calling balls and strikes because you saw the science. I want to ask you about some of the most important mitigation strategies that we're using, because you've now been dealing with this disease for two years, and you have a pretty good grasp of it. Uh, the three big things are social distancing, masks, and vaccines. How do you feel about all three? Are they working? Are we changing our philosophy about some of them? Given what we've learned about the virus,
1: so I think it's important to understand that when you vaccinate people with, um, and this is the lesson that we have learned. Remember, South Africa started to vaccinate only in our third wave. Right. So we don't have this history of of, of a year or two years or a year and a half, maybe, um, of other countries. So what we what we see and what I still see, because we still see on a daily basis um, Omicron patients is that um, whether you've been vaccinated, whether you have not been vaccinated, whether you have had COVID before and vaccinated, the chances that you can get mild disease is quite quite high. However, patients not vaccinated getting mild Omicron, their symptoms, the clinical symptoms, if they've got a headache, they've got a, a, a severe headache, where your vaccinated person will only have a headache. When they have fatigue, they will have severe, severe fatigue while the vaccinated person will only have fatigue or patients previously had Omicron, or not Omicron Delta or any of the other um, variants. We, we do see that in our ICUs, 80, 80% are um, unvaccinated. So we need to be honest and say, yes, you can still get Omicron or maybe one of the new variants coming on the market. We don't know what? W- what will be thrown to our um, side going forward. You might still get it, we, we, but we try to get you out of hospital. So far, that's what the stats are telling us, uh, that, that, that if you're vaccinated, your chances of ending up in hospital is less, especially if, if you are above the age of 50, if you have comorbidities, or if you have immune, like uh, lupus, if you have those type of disease and uh, you vaccinated, you will be safe, much more safer than an unvaccinated patient with the same disease. So I think that is important so that we don't create this expectancy that if you have been vaccinated, you will never get the variant. That's not true. And we need to be honest about it. With the masks, there's definitely a role for the masks. What is important with the masks? You need to wear clean masks, especially if you wear um, face masks, uh, you know, the cloth masks. If you wear your other masks, please don't wear it too long. Um, Otherwise, it becomes a bacterial trap for yourself and trap for other viruses. Social distancing is really very important. And we have also seen uh, in South Africa that our incidence of normal upper respiratory tract infections came down and that should be um, because of mask-wearing and social distancing and a hand to us. But this also brings another uh, uh, problem um, to the surface where we need to make sure that if we want people to sanitize and, and have access to clean masks, that there's enough sanitation, running water, in, with the places where they live and the places where they work. And then we need to make sure that your air conditioning, your um, you know, that your, your air flow are being, uh, you know, correct. If you, if you have poor air ventilation, uh, you're going to spread the virus in any case if you, if you don't wear your mask. Um, and there's a lot of people sitting in a crowded room without opening of windows, only with a air con on, on hot or whatever, you know, regarding yep. to your circumstances.
0: You know, what, doctor listening to you, the clarity and the uh, straightforwardness is refreshing. Sometimes we've been confused by this pandemic, uh, but you, you've made it a lot more understandable. And I wanna thank you for all your great work in the field and also for spending uh, so much time with us today, helping us to understand uh, this amazing pandemic we've all been through. I really wanna thank you.
1: Thank you, John. And thank you for asking me to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah,
0: it was an honor. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got some more discussions we got to have. What a great interview. So, so grateful for Dr. Katsia. We'll be right back. they're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. All right, folks, that wraps it up for Saturday. Special edition. Thank you for listening. I hope it was worth your while. I think Dr. Cossier is such a remarkable doctor, played such an important role in the history of coronavirus in getting us to understand that this was a less lethal, less dangerous, more contagious virus. And I think she did a great job describing where we head from here in the pandemic, what the optimism is, what... The warning signs still must be watched. And also, I think a valuable lesson about the knee-jerk nature of our public health system worldwide, not just in America under Dr. Fauci, but across the globe, the pressure they wanted to put her under to get her to say that the virus was more dangerous than it was, troubling, isn't it? The fact that everybody seemed to know that the travel ban didn't matter, but Joe Biden imposed it anyways, troubling, right? Right. So it's amazing when you get to talk to a real medical professional and you get to see who they really are. You really get in that 18 minutes a pretty clear sense of Dr. Cossiers and what her values are, what she wanted to be, what she did, what she stuck to her guns for, and why she stuck to her guns. I hope that brings some value on this extraordinary president's Day weekend. I'm going to let you go with that. Thank you. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have the best hits of my week on television for the podcast on Sunday. And then remember on Monday, we're going to spend the whole show with, you got it, Robert Ray, the former Whitewater Independent Counsel. He knows a lot about Hillary Clinton and her commitment to law and order. We're going to talk about that on Monday. All right, folks. God bless. Good night. Talk to you soon.